Now you're here to talk about the Day of Atonement, which this might be something that people listening have never ever heard about. You know. Well, you know, it's one of those. Uh, a lot of the feasts, uh, you know, I think a lot of folks kind of get a grip on Passover, maybe Pentecost. They get that idea, but when you get to the fall, most folks think that. Jesus fulfilled the spring feasts, and one day he'll fulfill the fall when he returns. In fact, he refer- he already fulfilled all the fall ones and the spring ones, but they'll all be fulfilled again in the end time. So, and I I believe during the great tribulation they'll all come about. So there's lots of neat things, and it's interesting this one especially because if there is a feast other than Passover that's just really huge and significance towards our salvation that we can track back. It's this one. It's the most holy day of the year. Now, this is going to be on Sunday night, going all the way through Monday. What happened on that day? Well, obviously, nobody was there other than them, but we believe. So here's, I'm going to break this down for you. Revelation 13.8, Jesus is called the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So 10 days after creation, now last Friday was Rosh Hashanah, which is the sixth day of creation. So you go 10 days, so the world was around 16 days there. And after the creation, the first Yom Kippur occurs. Sin happens, and spiritual death happens. It's when they have a conversation with the serpent instead of God. So now sin is there, and what used to be them, they're totally different. But blood has to be spilled to cover their sin because God doesn't desire to kill Adam and Eve even though now death has come into them. So at creation they were covered in light or glory but now it's gone and so even they can see they are naked. So God makes a sacrifice. He places their sins on the animal and kills it and makes them coverings with its skin. The Hebrew meaning or concept of that word covering is anointing. He restores their anointing. With what? The blood of that sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or removing of sin. Now, of course, the obvious problem still exists. You, the blood of animals can't cover the sin of, of man forever. It's, it's always needing more covering. And then God casts them out of the Garden of the Eden, and, he, and there's only one door or one exit, and it has to go to the east. So we believe that's sitting right where the temple, or where you now see uh, the remains of where the temple was. So they've got to go east, and that's up the trail of Mount Olive. Up right up that, you can actually walk straight up from the eastern gate. The first animal was killed to make them close and restore their anointing. Adam and Eve leave the garden clothed with that animal. So in a sense, they are the second goat walking off into the wilderness never to return. So this is the next picture of Christ slain from the foundation of the world. There's a bunch of them. But Jesus will be called the second Adam. And so he's also the first goat. And on the cross, when he's slain outside the city, he's the scapegoat. So he's... he's all of those things. The Day of Atonement is closely connected to Ascension Day and has been since the beginning in the Garden. On the Day of Atonement, the scapegoat was led through the Eastern Gate by a man towards the Mount of Olives where it would disappear from view as it fulfilled the removal of sins from the people. Here's what it says. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness and the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place. It's the exact same path up the mount that Jesus took with his disciples on the 40th day after Passover, after resurrection. 
Jesus climbed to the top of the Mount of Olives, ascended into heaven from that very spot, showing that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west, just like the scapegoat did for 1,500 years. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And though I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's his last words, and he ascends into heaven. Now, pick a few... You know, just a few minutes later. Now, when he'd spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Why do they tell him that in that moment and in that place? Well... The last place he left is the first place he will return. Zechariah 14. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half the mountain shall move to the north, half towards the south. Then you shall see through my mountain valley. And what happens is that's where the river from the throne begins to flow into the salt sea, which is to the east and gives life to uh, what we've already seen is a dead sea. So a lot of amazing things there. So there are seven things you need to grasp that's important as you go through this day. The earthly sanctuary was just a shadow. The temple, the tabernacle, just a shadow. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is heaven, uh, what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So, in other words, there's something in heaven right now that looks just like what was on the earth. The tabernacle and the temple were a replica of the throne room in heaven that God designed at the time of creation. Each article there symbolized something God has done to save us from our sins. That's why this day is so big. Therefore, everything is a reflection of Jesus. That's why we can still encounter Jesus when we celebrate the Day of Atonement, because you're literally stepping into heaven in order to celebrate the Day of Atonement. When you read Revelation, you're usually looking into the heavenly sanctuary. Everything you see relates to that sanctuary. Each object and piece of furniture literally speaks of Christ. The brazen altar his sacrificial death for us. The laver of water is cleansing us. The golden candlestick, he enlightens us. The table of shewbread, he sustains us. The altar of incense, he's interceding for us. The veil is literally his body, which is broken for us. And it was the only door representing Jesus who said, I am the door. And then, of course, we all, people always say, where's the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it's literally right there in heaven. It, it went up as well. The Ark of the Covenant, his word in the flesh, humanity and deity in the midst of us. That's what the ark was all about. So Moses started receiving the instructions for the tabernacle in the third month of the first year, finished building it on the first day of the first month of the second year. If you do the math, that equals nine months. So it represents the nine months literally in the womb, spiritually speaking, for Jesus to birth or build his fleshly tabernacle. The main one in charge of building most of the tabernacle was Bezalel from the tribe of Judah, which represented that the Messiah would be birthed through the line of Judah. God would speak to the children of Israel through his tabernacle, 
representing the Messiah being the Word, which is why in John 12, Jesus said he didn't speak his own words. He spoke the words of his Father, commanded him to speak. And of course, lastly, the Son is the true tabernacle of the Father. Revelation 21.3, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with men. That's end times. So that's a lengthy detail, but that's a whole bunch of stuff. And now we're going to jump into the blood. The life is in the blood.